Hello and welcome to podcast number 6 of Pastacast, the advice and discussion show all but you know all that ready. This week we're chatting with Andrew Cheatham, aka Chica, former NASA development officer and head of LSTV on the tricky and often overlooked subject of management. How to get the best from your team, whether you're a station manager or if you're in charge of a particular program making group. I spoke with Chica recently over Skype and with the help of the occasional car alarm outside my window, we discussed a variety of scenarios which you may well encounter in the forthcoming year. How best to establish yourself, be it if you're the head of this particular programming genre or if you're the head of your technical team or if you're a station manager, how best to establish yourself and have a good rapport with your team from day one? Sure, I think I think the station manager one actually is perhaps one of the easier ones to achieve in terms of establishing yourself. I think in a very old-fashioned but very sort of realistic sense, approaching it by... During Freshers Week, if you are on the ground, if you're the one that, that is a visible presence at the recruiting events, at uh, talking to people, that will automatically establish you. Look, you know, people have lives. People obviously be sorting their university uh, time out as well. I think that's really crucial. And I, I think certainly within those those couple of weeks, being a presence at as many events as possible, and then obviously with your first meeting, uh, opening it. You know, you're you're the station manager. Start it off. Introduce yourself. Introduce your team. And I think you don't have to go any further than than that. That should be enough to sort of establish your presence. And I think that links in with with each uh, position around and and under people and and over people and things like that. I think that everyone should have an, an a, a chance to sort of show what they are in charge of i think a really simple way for a station manager like i said is to is to introduce each person and allow them to talk about their role for, for a few minutes one because actually it can be the first time really since being elected or whatever that someone sits back and goes yeah this is actually what i'm i'm in charge of doing and i think that gives them a really good way to sort of have a think about that say your first main meeting after after fresh and things like that Aside from that, I think also allow people to establish themselves by doing a big believer in, you know, showing that it's your role because of, because of what you're doing. So if you're the head of news, obviously say like we're going to have a news meeting. I'm going to make this news pr- program for our first news program. Please, as many people come along and and watch, get involved, et cetera, et cetera. And I think if each person is given the ability to sort of take ownership over a certain area uh, which is exactly what the role suggests they're automatically putting their stamp on it and it, it allows them to sort of establish themselves in that role later on in the year most of your meetings aren't going to be dominated by people necessarily splitting off uh, in a prescribed sense if a tech guy wants to get his tech team together presumably he will do that if a news person is having a news meeting they will do that under their own steam but i think it's very important that from sort of the early weeks that, that you established a couple of structured opportunities for people to break away and, and sort of control their own own area. Let's imagine, for example, this first couple of weeks, maybe even just the first week after the studio, everybody's going to the pub and so on. How did you make sure that you didn't, not by design, not by people being clicky or anything like that, but how did you make sure that people mingled with the new group? Did you actually say to people in the station who had already been there two or three years, look, I want you to buddy up with somebody. I want you to actually sit down with somebody and, and engage with them and so on. Sure. It's it's something that was one of my biggest fears, actually, uh, as station manager. LSTV had always been great, but it, it, it hadn't been huge and it, it was getting rapidly, rapidly bigger. And I was worried that there, there, there could be this opportunity for, for a clique, a core or whatever to form. And of course, within that, you're going to have established friendships. You know, if you're in your third year, you're going to have mates who you've been doing it with for some time. And I think it's just making sure that for, let's say, the first time you, you walk into that pub as a group, you pretty much put the market out and it doesn't even have to be saying it's just a bit of common sense i think that that i think happens naturally anyway but if it doesn't perhaps uh, your group isn't the one who does that a little bit of encouragement just say sort of like we don't need to talk to each other look i know you i might live with you or i might be seeing you tomorrow night whatever when we go down to this pub after this meeting i don't need to talk to my head of head of news they should be talking to someone to news people i don't need to go and talk to, to my best mate who's, who's head of programming because i will see them for a curry or whatever in the, in the next couple of days and i think that's important that perhaps before your first meeting if you have had people who haven't seen each other all summer and things like that you give them that opportunity to meet up perhaps in the planning for freshers week or, or in the execution of freshers week to avoid that perhaps happening on your first meeting back because that's the time you want people to be 
to be doing things. I have heard stations that, that did things like make sure they were going to a pub quiz night or things like that and automatically splitting down into to teams of very different groups can sometimes feel to, to new people a bit too much organized fun. Uh, you're always going to have some people who are, you know, don't like going to the pub or don't like this or don't like the other. So you don't chastise yourself if you can't cater for everyone. If you see a couple of freshers go because you say you're going to the pub, look, that will happen. But I do think it's very important about if you've had a meeting where you say, look, have a chance to speak to your new head of news, have a chance to speak to your head of programming, etc. Make the first social trip, say it be the pub after the meeting, as the chance for that to continue. You put people in a room and say, right, talk about programming. They ain't going to talk about programming. You put people in a pub or in a cafe or whatever, uh, they will talk usually about all sorts and it will gradually merge into to the things they want to discuss so i think that's that's very important so if you within that meeting if you have a chance to establish what people are interested in and then i think it just comes down to, to, to people skills i think it comes down if you see a couple of freshers who are sat perhaps not talking to people because because you, you're very outgoing ones have come to the front want to talk about their next great program etc etc it's got to be you or other people who notice it just nip over and go right hi i'm so and so who are you what, what are you interested in etc etc largely it's common sense i think with that one i think it really is about just making sure it is a continuation of that whole bonding exercise of getting people to know each other and also on the flip side of that making sure that the meeting has finished if you've done it as a meeting or if you've done it as a show around the studio or your first broadcast know where the line is if you don't need to if something's gone wrong or if or if someone's come up with a really good idea and it's still feeling feeling a bit formal know when to drop that and i think getting that that line sorted is is perhaps where you break down these barriers for for people who are going to be very nervous you're going to have a lot of nervous people who are suddenly in a room with by the very nature of student television quite outgoing people that person might be an ex-presenter but they're not necessarily going to be shouting at the top of the head at that moment so just be aware of, of, of who you have and who you've got underneath you if no other scenario over the course of a year applies to yourself, then this one you are definitely going to encounter. And that is some people doing the work and some people not pulling their weight. Now, Chica, how did you find best to approach that problem when, for example, if you've got like a little working committee and say two out of the three people are off, busy beavers and so on, and then you've got like a third or a fourth person where for whatever reason they're just not doing what's required of them how best to approach that uh, in, a, in a sort of non-confrontational way so you're going to get something good out of them yeah sure um <laughs> yeah we all we all face this one i think first first and foremost establish what we what we mean by by pulling weight i think a big one for me was making sure that very clearly if let's for argument's sake to say we're talking about committee positions was making those committee positions outlined from the start and i think there can be a danger in a very fast moving student television world where things don't get written down don't get uh, perhaps formulated in in the same way that that it would do in, in perhaps other societies or outside of university and things can ha get handed down by a bit song and saga occasionally so the role of head of programming can can warp based on the previous personality and based on the previous personality, et cetera, et cetera, which is no bad thing. Let's remember at the end of the day, it's student television. It's, it's, you know, an enjoyable experience of, of practicing what people want to do in the real world. But I think it's very important at the start of the year to understand for everyone to know what their role is. No one wants to deliberately muck up and not do their role. So if they suddenly find out halfway through the year that they've not been doing something because deep down in some dusty tome at the back of the office is actually a set of instructions for, for head of programming. That's not particularly fair on the person who might not have known about that. Got to be very careful because I was never a huge one for having these very formal, I second this motion by thirding this one and da 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 da, da minute A says you should have done this. Um, that, that was never my my personal style but i was always keen to make sure that people sort of knew overall of the role what what their role was for the year so let's look at some perhaps more specific examples of how to approach this again being realistic in terms of how things are delegated and how people take on roles one of the best ways outside of obviously the the people who stood for election that's a slightly different one that I'll, I'll finish on but if someone is saying right we're doing this program and four people have put their hands up 
and they say they're really interested straight away from the start make sure they they, they sort of know what they're getting in, involved with i think some of the best programs are the ones that are made under people's own steam rather than perhaps saying we need someone to make this because it gives them ownership and usually when people are, uh, are volunteering for this stuff they're basing it around what they know is coming up and i think being honest there's, there's no point saying that i need someone to do this program It'll be really good, yada, 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 and then keep on lumping them with more and more work. So I think it's got to be a give and take between the people who obviously want the program made, the, the head of programming or whatever, and the people who volunteer to do it. Realistically, you are going to have times in, in things like that where people are able to do more than others. Again, sadly, as much as we, we enjoy the student television life, um, there is a degree presumably to be done in the background as well. And people can leave essays to the last minute or want to be really advanced and, and get them done. And I think trying to make sure that you have a mix of people involved with the project makes it a lot easier you might be top heavy with people who are doing broadcasting degrees so a lot of their deadlines will be the same but you will have people in and around your station who aren't and it's really good to pair those up with how uh, with those who are doing perhaps uh, courses with the same deadlines because it gives someone else a chance to perhaps take on a bit of responsibility in that time i think another big thing another key thing for me as well is some of the things I found was falling down on in an early stage were, were people trying to make programs from start to finish completely under their own steam without perhaps looking, drawing on the expertise of other people. If you have a project that is being made, it will drag its feet naturally. If you have just the same people working on it, people will be excited about it one day and perhaps not so the next. And I think it's important to make sure that you have people on your committee or, or in the team, say tech or whatever, getting involved at, at different stages. All very well and good, I, I hear you cry, saying, yeah, that, those are all good ideas for, for helping a project move along, but what about if there is just someone sat there and they're supposedly doing this and they're not? Well, I think you have to be realistic. You can't fire, sack, or get rid of them. It's student television. You can have a quiet word with them, and completely non-confrontational, are you still interested in doing this? Is there something else you prefer to be doing? Or even something like that, just asking them, you know, are you still enjoying what you're working on? They might turn around straight away and go, you know what, I signed up to this part and I'm really not. It might need no more than that, that they admit straight away that actually they're not enjoying what they are doing. Easy enough to solve, swap around, etc., etc. If you have someone who seems really keen on working on the project yet they still don't seem to be doing anything, you know, it's about perhaps talking to the other two people involved are they still uh, interested in doing the project as well is it all one-sided uh, and finding out sort of what where to go from that it will need times where as a station manager or a head of news or a head of this you will have to get involved and do some of the things for them that's sadly the nature of student television the, the people at the top are tend to be the ones who are willing to give the most time and that means helping them perhaps the ones that in the first year or the second year they don't have quite that same commitment they might be in two societies or three societies so i think it's being realistic there's no point ever looking down the road of well i want to kick this person not out off the team or whatever it's about perhaps picking up that slack because usually that in a way kind of can work as a bit of i hate to say but a bit of an embarrassment factor if you see people working on a project and it's going really well and other people get involved it can tend to bring people around it might just have been a bad week or or whatever if we're talking on more a elected position role that is slightly different and slightly more harder to handle it's a thing that does come up and it can come up periodically uh when people are stressed because usually they'll be in the third year or whatever and as a station manager, you have to manage that knowing, hang on a minute, is there a reason this person who works really hard week in, week out suddenly for this two weeks isn't doing it? Well, can I look a bit deeper into that? Is there, you know, something going on? You know, find out about the people's deadlines who, you, who you're working with because you'd hate it if you suddenly couldn't do something for a week and hadn't really said, oh, it's because of this, because of that. And, and people started talking about you in some way. So find out, are there anything that, that that's obviously explains that? If there's not, and we're, we're, we're heading very much towards the the dark area of someone perhaps has just lost the interest or, or whatever, you know, lives change, people's interests change. If we go down that road, I think it's got to be very non-confrontational. It's got to be very, there's no point all sitting around and having a moan about the person who doesn't seem to be doing it. You need to give that person a, a face-saving perhaps way out. If they, they really seem to have stop doing whatever their role dictates and you've explained it to them that you perhaps need them to be doing this that and the other still hasn't happened try and give them a face saving way out is there a project that they prefer to work on rather than a, than a committee position would they like to step down would they like to 
share the role with someone else. I've seen that work uh, quite well. And then the other person just gradually stepped back and back until it was just one person left doing it. But the last thing you want is to have it as a a situation where everyone knows that person isn't doing it. The person knows they aren't doing it, but is in such a position where they think, well, I'm just being made to feel very embarrassed in this. So I'm not, I'm not going to bother doing anything. Try and offer a bit of a face saving way out or even an opportunity for someone else to, to shadow them. There's always people who want to be doing that job. They will stand for the next year. Is it time perhaps, Oh, well let's all have some people shadowing us on the committee. All these options fit in a lot more with, with the student TV aspect than, than obviously, um, than a work aspect, but that's what you've got to remember. You are, you're not a corporation. You're not a business. Uh, people haven't signed anything. You really at the ultimate last, last resort will have to go down the whole various rules that unions set in place for, for removing people. But it's a dark road that you never really want to go down and usually can be avoided. Let's have a look at a couple of different personalities then, because from the first week to the last, let's say you're going to get different personalities in your group and sometimes that's going to lead to personality clashes. So let's take a couple of examples. One would be the loud, very flamboyant, very shouty, look at me sort of character Mm -hmm. to the point where they could actually be putting people off. Like people are coming into the room and saying, oh, don't put me next to him. You know, and, and you know, that kind of character, that kind of personality can dominate the conversation, particularly if you're trying to get everybody involved and you want to hear everybody's opinion and so on. And conversely, how do you deal with the wallflower, the person who you can see they've got potential and they've got ideas and so on, but they're just timid. They're just not really at ease with putting themselves forward, particularly in a social situation. And also, it may well be because you've got this loud, borderline, obnoxious person on the other side of the room as well. Uh, I think you will get those those personalities in student television and you'll get everyone in between. Uh, you'll, you'll also get people, more interestingly, that can, that can be one about one project and then, and then different about the other. I think, to be very, very stereotypical, I think it's usually obvious about the interests of each one. Your timid wallflower character perhaps isn't as interested in being the centre of attention in front of camera, etc., unless it's a project that they're perhaps completely and utterly uh, in control of or... or want to work on something a bit quieter than perhaps you know freshers presenting and, and running around things like that not always the case but very rarely does it deviate from that your person who is um going to be the the extrovert you know really over the top character is probably the good one going to be the one who wants to run around with a microphone uh and do the vox pops and, and be funny and and you know be that person i think this goes back to something i was saying earlier about your early meetings or your early get-togethers have to show that there are lots of different roles within that there will be people who turn up that literally think it is about presenting and being in front of a camera and there will be people who turn up and literally think it is about you know making very arty or very detailed programs give them the opportunity to get into those groups but also do it in an environment that shows that is not the only group student television is very interesting i think it goes in with with the the perhaps the radio and the newspaper to a certain extent, but perhaps even even wider than that, that you have a society which actually could, in theory, be a lot of little societies. You could have within it, you know, the documentary society, for argument's sake. You can have the the drama, the video drama society. You can have, you know, the, 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 the news and current affairs society, as well as text, as well as writers, as well as people interested in music, sport, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Got to remember that, that you have a wide much wider perhaps pool than than the the society that is getting together solely to play one sport or solely to do one kind of of of, uh, media that that, that do exist so i think it's about showing each individual that their opportunity to do their interest is there i mean a big one just when you're getting people's uh, on mailing lists and things like that find out what they're interested in it's an extra column on a on a piece of paper you know what are you interested in because you can already hand those names over to the people that are responsible for that section but also i think it is very important okay, i keep on laboring this point that whilst you are breaking it down to show people that there are different sections of the society you are also sh- showing them that there are different sections of the society so whilst you, they might be sat as the extrovert in, in the presenter group, presumably the loudest in the in the room or the hall or whatever you've booked, they will also notice that there are different things around that, and that is not the be-all and end-all of what your TV society is. 
I think very rarely do these people not end up getting on in, in different ways. I knew people who were completely over the top, who were very good friends with the people who weren't, but they were the cameraman and they were the, the writer and, and the relationships worked. So you don't want to separate these people off um, because, you know, they ultimately might become very good teams to work together. So I think it's about showing there are differences and showing, yeah, it is all one big society. I think that fits in again when we were talking about socials and, uh, and things like that. I think as well, making sure that those people who are the loudest and ones who will vie for attention don't don't necessarily get get the most of it as a social way where you're in a pub and things like that it's very easy to be having a conversation with people who are a bit quieter because you can break off and you've got one member of committee who can be entertaining the loud ones and having a bit of a laugh and getting the evening going because you need those people those are the people who ultimately beyond the station or as output are going to be the ones who are who are the driving force behind the, the, the humor and the, and the fun at, at big events and you know when you go away to nasp and things like that you need those people but again it comes down to delegating you will have the people on the committee who will far rather sit and have a quiet pint uh, with a few like-minded individuals whilst your other memory committee is you know dancing on a table singing karaoke with those who are the presenters because there are those differences doesn't mean that that, that the society or, or the social events have to be different for the different groups you just have to make sure you've got the people who can can be the bridge between the two you will have people who one minute are very quietly having a pint and then the next minute they'll happily get up and have a dance they're the kind of people that are wonderful wonderful bridges between individuals and it's the same in meetings you'll get the ones who will quite happily present but will also sit down and have a have a nice quiet meeting about writing something and i think identifying those amongst your committee members in your second years is a very very good way of drawing the links and then it's don't want to use the term human money we'll use the term human management it's about just you know without necessarily going you have to go and talk to him just going oh have you met so and so oh this person's interested in this they're also interested in that i think that's where as a station manager over the, the first couple of weeks is where you have to work very hard to know your um know your group a couple more personality types i'm going to give you a scenario here and then mm. I'm going to ask you to approach this as if there are two different types of people who are basically handing you this problem. Okay, so let's say that you are head of particular section. Let's say you're head of sport, for example. Oh. Okay, now one of your team has gone off. They've recorded a rugby match the weekend. We come in on Monday. They give you the footage. It looks as if they recorded it with cling film over the lens. You've heard better sound on shortwave radio. And now you've got to do something with this. And you're not going to have to tell the person that you can't really do anything with this. It just isn't good enough to put out. Now, let's say, for example, that in scenario one, the personality is the kind who is say sort of overbearing and a dominant personality where they're trying to sort of impose their will on you so when you push back and you say something like for example um i, I don't really think we can use this that person comes back with something like well i've already told all the rugby players that they're going to be on like you know seven o'clock tonight so you know you're going to have to use it and then the other type of personality is the one who you would go out of your way not to offend under any circumstances because they're just so damn nice mm. and you really don't want to criticize them at all but you are going to have to for the sake of your show and your project and the station and so on sure oh god challenge you one i think first and foremost i mean the get out answer straight away is um let's say the, the, the footage is completely and utter, utterly totaled uh, and really is obviously unusable. I think in both situations, it gives you a very, you know, let, let the evidence speak for itself. I, I have been in this situation myself and I think it's about showing what you mean by that. I think in a situation like this, uh, different stations have different positions, but a, a head of training is quite an interesting one because in theory, if you've got a head of training involved, um, they can use that footage there and then straight away for, for training of those individuals. But obviously, if the, if the footage is, is is that terrible, you can use it as evidence for, for both parties and say, look, you know, this really is. Can, can you, you know, not physically see, compare it to other things you've done as an example. Now, if you're going down the road of actually it's somewhere in the middle where you can tell it's not brilliant and the sound's not great and they probably know it's not brilliant you need to go down the road and saying, right, mister, you said you're going to show out the rugby team. Well, let's work with you to find 
something that you're going to do i'm not going to obviously go out my way to do it because it's, it's a project you're working on but let's find something that you might be able to show you know a couple of seconds etc etc half a minute that that would show that yes you've got some footage and that as a bit of a promise because you're going to come back and do another game i think you've got to put the ownership back on back on the person who's saying well I, well i'm set of going to show the rugby team we say well yeah what you can show the rugby team but this is this is your work you're going to be showing them and that will perhaps again not trying to forcefully embarrass them but but make them think well actually you know am i as keen now to put put my name to it because i think an outburst like that well i promise is a bit of a, of a nervous reaction to the fact that they've they're not going to be delivering on a promise they they've put across and i think with a person who is you know that nice that you just you don't if they're that nice, it's probably going to be a little easy to, to broach the subject with them. But I think in, in both situations, you've got to say, you've got to ask a question, uh, sadly, to yourself of how has this happened? How has this person gone out and done this and made it so bad? Uh, there's been a failing somewhere in the committee, somewhere in yourself as a station manager, that you think, well, they need to be going out with, with some form of training, with some idea of what they're doing. And I think that to, to go off slightly a politician way in a, in, a, in a bit of a tangent that makes you look at how you you allocate filming and people experimenting i think it's very different someone experimenting in the park with a bodge style thing or going back to film a you know how clean is your halls or a come dine with me esque thing because people will make mistakes in that that they can can rectify i think if you're encouraging someone to go out and film a sports uh, event that has some resonance to the people who are doing the sport. I think you're, you're opening yourself up there to a bit of a, of a dangerous situation where you, where the, the station could get some bad press. If you're sending people who are untrained far better, if you're, if you're doing something of such a magnitude that you send two people, one trained, one not. Um, so I think to, to look at the other side of that is you have to look at it about what are people experimenting on? I'm never a fan of saying that people shouldn't just get out of camera and go and start shooting absolutely they should but i think there's a difference between someone rocking up to a rugby game and doing a bit of filming there compared to if they've been working with a rugby team and saying they're going to do this and go and do that why have they got to that stage without perhaps having having that training doesn't necessarily solve how you broach the subject so i know i've gone off a bit tangent but up to think to how you broach it with that person is is by making sure that they've got the ownership of, of what happens next if they're adamant they're going to do something with it fine support them in whatever way you can um but make them understand that it is them showing the footage rather than the station. You ultimately have that shout. You're the station manager. You get to make that, that shout. And if it has to sadly uh, uh, offend someone, you do have to think of the wider picture of you've got a hundred other people who are making programs of a, of, a, of a quality that needs to be maintained as well with a nicer person. Don't let it become a habit that if they have made a mistake because they're nice, you can just say, Oh, sorry, that's not good enough. And they'll go, Oh, right. Okay. And never, never lose that. They would lose that confidence. It, in both situations, you need to not only give them a chance to rectify, it, but also say, right, head of training or head of tech, whatever. Let's get working with these this individual to to, to rectify the situation in the future. Another personality type. This one, I suspect, this is this is the kind of personality type that you will almost certainly encounter in any big group, and it's less likely to have any kind of massive impact. And it's more going to be something which has a slow impact over the course of the year. And that is the person who is the glass half empty pessimist. So the kind of person who, when they look at anything at all, they immediately zone in on the negative aspect of it. And sometimes you might get somebody who's doing that on purpose to try and put themselves over or to perhaps try and cover up their own shortcomings, whatever it is. It could be a, you know, a personality trait, you know, lack of uh, security on their part. Or it could just be that somebody doesn't even realize they're doing it, but they're just that kind of person when they sit down and, and what have you, and you say, how are you? They immediately start telling you and start focusing on all the negatives. And of course, with one person, you can, you know, you can tolerate that, but the problem comes in if they start to spread that negativity throughout the whole group. So how best to then contain that and to perhaps train somebody out of that habit you can find yourself doing it sometimes um that's the other thing if you're judging someone else thinking oh they're being a bit pessimistic listen to your own language there were times where i think i'd, I'd openly admit that i was saying oh they seem really and then i'm going hang on a minute i've been saying we can't do this we can't do that purely because that's what that's what had happened from the union but i'm thinking hang on i've come to this meeting and said all the things we can't do because of things that have fallen through or whatever 
so look to look to your own language first. Uh, I think is is quite a crucial one before you perhaps uh, automatic assume it's just that person. You will get them. You will get those those people in life. Some of it is the slightly humorous pessimism, which is the you know pencil behind the ear brewing annual big job this more than my job's worth kind of thing uh, right through to those who, who just generally seem that the, the failure is the only only thing that's going to be achieved use some of it use some of it to a certain extent some of those people will know they're doing that and might do it with a bit of a wry smile if you can work out that they're that kind of person play to it a bit there's no need to necessarily get rid of people who are a bit perhaps consider themselves slightly cynical that that's absolutely fine um where the issue lies is if it, it generally seems a bit of a pessimism that is going to damage the, the, the station's sort of morale. And I think about how you approach that is, is what, is it an issue? Is, is it a single issue? Say there is a big event coming up and that person is adamant that it's not going to work, etc., etc. You take those arguments on board and first you need to think, is this person, if they're in a position of power and they're saying right i am ahead of this and we're going to be doing this as a big group i really don't think this is going to work you say fair enough you know we, we've taken on board those comments you have every right to think that we we have decided to do it on a majority or or whatever um but we will take on board your arguments and include that in in how we approach things it does happen you will get people doing it who aren't pessimistic uh, by a whole but if they hear something that perhaps they haven't thought, thought of first or something that's outside of of the comfort area of their show they will go oh will that work and you know it does happen i think perhaps it is important to if that person has lodged their their view you draw a line under it you don't want someone in the run-up for three weeks to a big event say a, an ob or something like that repeatedly saying how it's not going to work if they've lodged their point they've lodged the point and if it doesn't work they get a, you know a day of i told you so right but realistically you need to make sure that if it is certainly if it's a committee member that, that once they've sort of said the piece that really needs to be as far as it goes if it's some of you perhaps your older guard of your station your people who have been involved two or three years and aren't going to stand for positions or haven't stood for positions there's a bit of path of the course for that that's usually there's a reason why they haven't done that and again some of it you will just have to tolerate there are different people there will be people going around being brutally optimistic every five seconds and they will get on other people's nerves so i think some of this is just about choosing what you hear and when you hear it if you generally think it is a problem that is going on and on and on and on again onus on the station manager to go and go and have a chat about that are the grievances general? Have they got a whole list? They might burst out and go, actually, now you've asked me, I think this is wrong, I think this is wrong, this is wrong. Some of them might open your eyes. Some of them might go, I've not even thought about that. I've not even heard that that's how so-and-so is running their department or whatever. So don't dismiss it all out of hand. Other of it might be just a certain bitterness because things haven't worked out for them. And if a program hasn't gone well or et cetera, et cetera, and they've sort of almost gone back onto this, this pessimistic outlook, I think then it's important about finding out what they would like to do. Very often do people ask someone who's being very pessimistic, they ask them, well, what would you do? Or, oh, you're always moaning. But they never say, say, would you like to come and help us with? Pessimistic outlooks are often challenged. I, I find in, not just in, in student television, in my job now and, and things like that, if you challenge it by saying, All right, well, come and help us then. If that's not going to work, you know, come and come and show us how you, how you think you should do it. And yep. it's it's very very often that, that that would actually stand as a really good challenge to that. You're not deliberately doing it to be, you know, in the face, but it actually it will make people think, oh, fair enough. I actually a am allowed to voice my grievances and do something about it, and b it does put someone on a back foot if they're just doing it for the sake of moaning. That's a really good point, and I suspect that automatically reply if there is a particular pessimist in the room and you automatically reply okay well what would you do then after a while they will start to realize that you're going to ask that question <laughs> every time they voice something negative and it may mean that they change their approach and they've already got their answer thought through and then the next time they come out with something they say instead of doing it this way why don't you do it like this yeah and, and that point is also about trying to sort of bring them in and make them be part of the solution a sort of a variant on the pessimist is the person who is always sort of coming up with suggestions and ideas, which is great because that's what you want, but not every single hour of every single day somebody coming along and saying, you know, why do, you, why, do we, why do we have a leafleting campaign or why do we do more advertising on Facebook or whatever it may be? And with those people, if you say to them, okay, that's a good idea, would you be willing to actually run that project? And 
some people will then just start backpedaling immediately and making all the excuses under the sun as to why they can't do it. Yeah. And some people will do it. And they're the people that, you know, you know, uh, who are serious in their critique because they're actually in a position to do something about it. It's not unique to student TV, of course, but the age-old question, how do you prevent cliques? We talked a few weeks ago about making sure that a station doesn't appear cliquey to freshers coming in. Now, how do you prevent cliques from happening over time, almost sort of organically over the course of weeks or months? People obviously will, will you know, find their pals and pal up with each other and so on. Of course that's going to happen. There's no doubt about that. But you don't want a situation where every single Monday or Wednesday or Friday or whenever your station's meeting is that you could pretty much predict where everybody's going to be sat in that room before we even go in there. And the same goes for the pub and the studio and so on. Short answer, you don't. Um, I think there's a certain part of, of, of what you will do that will form these. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to use the word clique because clique d- does have a very negative uh, connotation. I think you will always, within student television, unless you're a very, very small station or a station that works very in- with individuals working very independently you are going to have these groupings form and it will be more a bit more than, than friendship if you are someone who's working on the news a lot you will have the news opinion and they will come into a meeting and they will sit together and they will think that perhaps news is the most important thing of this station same with the sports same with the drama same with entertainment it will happen i think what is important is using your spare individuals if you will as, and I've said this before, as, as those sort of bridging individuals, you will get people who will not be assigned a camp, if you will, uh, because of the nature of their role. It tends to be the ones that are on established shows, perhaps shows that are going out on a, on a regular basis, like the news and entertainment, things like that, that will formulate into these groups. And I think it's important to then to then use everyone else to bounce between them. And I think it's really important to do things that, that allow it people to get out of those comfort zones classic one we used to do was was for children in need was swap over uh we'd have the entertainment do the news and the news do the entertainment and in the and because that was november you would actually see throughout december and 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 the rest of the year you would see actually people who, who did the news originally would go and do some entertainment stuff as well because they'd enjoyed the fact they'd actually hadn't had to go and interview a you know a union rap about something and they'd actually got out to you know throw a bucket of ice cold water over someone for for a joke and you will see that crossover so i think give the people the opportunity as part of the programming to to do other things don't assume that oh they're in the news team now they're a news team member you've got to give them the opportunity to get out of that realistically on a more social sense it will always be dominated by those who are putting the most hours in and and that does tend to be perhaps the the, the ones who've been there the longest uh, and things like that and I think that's, you know, I would know who would week in, week out be going to the pub on uh, after a meeting, who would be the, the ones who would definitely be there, regardless of how busy they were and things like that, because of, uh, that had become their, their social life, because as, as the years go on, you have less time to be in more societies, etc., etc. Again, don't fight that. If you are finding that that is detrimental to the, the station then those people you know need to, need to be told but they instead shouldn't be the ones thinking oh look at them they're the ones who are always coming into the pub after a meeting da, da, da. it should be they're the ones who are going to the pub I want to go and have a drink with those because these guys have seen the established ones of the station and if you go and have a meet drink with them they will have a chat to you about your ideas that's how you've got to play it you've got to if there is two people who suddenly come and you know it's the last week before Christmas People are starting to go on different house parties out and, you know, the halls or whatever, you know, Christmas do's. And it's a quiet, you know, there's not been much programming. You've got one big week the week after and you do have a meeting and the standard ones that have turned up and a couple of freshers turn up and think, should we should we not go to the pub or not? That's the time where you've got to have these established people go, come on, come down, have a chat. I've not really spoken to you yet. Da, 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 da. Because ultimately, you're never going to fight the fact that there will be people who will put in more hours, both socially and for the station programming. It's about making sure those people, A, don't feel like an elite and, and feel they're a bit better than everyone. B, or, and it's also about a lot of time that wouldn't happen. People wouldn't think that, but other people would think they would. You know, I oh, they're always there. They must think they're, they're better than the rest of us. And it's about making sure that's what you have got to avoid. I think if cliques are forming by just friendship circles you can fight it all you want but that that sadly is is, is human nature i think you can, you can do as much to, to change that as as you want but what you want to avoid is people thinking there are things there that, that aren't 
Um, just because there are people who are a bit older who seem to hang around together doesn't mean that they're inaccessible. The reason I stayed and got fell in love with student television so much is for that exact reason. I, I turned up to a meeting um, where it was quite a small society and there were a few of us uh, after this 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 big freshers meeting and people had gone off to these different programming things etc etc and after that i went down to into the into the old bar in leeds university and what were the then head of programming head of this head of that and their mates were sat around and i immediately the three of us who were there were invited in to have a drink and talk about not only what we wanted to make and stuff like that but also to just talk and i think it's about making sure that the the old guard of your station aren't the same ones we were just talking about who are the ones that say oh this won't work that won't work and i've only got my set ways so let's have a look at a couple of final glass half empty scenarios before we have a look at a glass half full or even glass full scenario to end on a high okay first up how best to nip problems in the bud because obviously we can agree that that is the best way to approach things if you can see trouble coming then you don't just let it explode in a few hours or days time but how best to do it do you do you delegate such matters if if it's two people in the news team for example who clearly aren't getting on too well and you can see there's going to be a problem do you entirely entrust this to your head of news because you've delegated that to them at what point do you step in and say, look, I think we need to just have a bit of a clear the air talk here? In the first instance, you know, don't don't have to worry too much about the fact that if suddenly people have had a bit of a spat over episode three of week four of the news, etc. Because it will happen. It happens in real television a lot. Um, it happens in real life a lot. Don't assume that every single problem is going to be a massive one. Uh, I think I've been guilty of this and thinking, oh, so-and-so left the office in a huff because he hadn't included this in his program and oh it's going to be and then actually the next day they were fine so don't assume every ma- every problem is going to be massive however if you are noticing and it usually is in perhaps the leaders of team things like that but if people aren't clearly be uh, uh, there's an established problem of not working together say it's gone on two weeks and you're thinking okay uh, I let that one go last week, thinking it might rectify itself. It's not. Let me have a bit of chat. Is everyone okay? Yeah, fine. Of course, you're going to get the answer. Yes. Um, and then you're just making aware that you're aware that there, there are some problems. I think very much if you're getting into a third week of an issue, that's when you have to act. There's no set rule on this. You might have acted minute one because it was something that needed acted on minute one. You might have let it go a bit long. But I certainly think in terms of, let's say, a weekly programming team like News, there by week three are still having the same issues between personnel or whatever that's when you need usually backed up by someone like head of programming or whatever positions you have need to get involved you can't pick sides even if it's quite clear that that one is perhaps being a bit unreasonable and you agree with the other you have to go in for a more mediated approach Uh, and if you do find yourself you're you're too strongly uh, opinion on one that's where you, you might need to say look i need someone else to come in and have a chat i had a programming or, or someone who, who's a bit neutral in the, the argument and things like that i certainly think that, that that three sort of sessions three meetings three whatever you want to judge it is a very good way meeting one don't overreact it probably will sort itself two oh hang on we seem to have a bit of problem there if it's a rearing its head by the third that's when you need to act what would you say are the best things that you yourself can do regardless of whether you're station manager or if you're in charge of a particular genre of programming, what are the best things that you can do to maintain a happy, inclusive environment throughout the course of the year, throughout your team? Obviously, there's going to be tensions overflowing at various times and deadlines approaching and so on and so on. But what just little techniques can you use just to make sure that you know the potential situation never actually occurs because everybody feels that they're being heard and everybody feels that they're on equal foot and so on one of the big ones is you know remember what you're doing you're doing student television because presumably you enjoy either uh, programming or making things or presenting or, or just student television as a whole that is the reason you're doing it i had a very good friend of mine who was involved several years never really did any positions in terms of the committee or anything like that he was just a, just an all-rounder and he always used to say just remember it's only a game yeah, it's, it's a game at the end of the day and that's what it is and you've got to remember that take it very seriously I took it very seriously editing to all hours and, you know the heated debates about what should be included and what shouldn't uh, at the time and Nash and things like that but at the end of the day you've got to remember what it is I think also uh, 
and I know people don't necessarily agree with me on this, and I'm, I'm happy for, for that opinion to, to be offered as well. I think a huge thing about having a happy, successful station is about just making television, student television, by making it over... the Against the argument, quantity over quality, um, because I think there can be so much of a danger. If you invest so much time as a fresher or a second year or as a third year to this one project and you're, you're pouring your heart and soul into it and it doesn't turn out like you wanted it to, and that's all you've done all year, you can suddenly think, oh, that was that was my student television year or career or whatever, and it's not turned out how I wanted it to. If you are giving the opportunity to go and make silly little one-minute shorts or go out and film a club night or go and do this and go and do that and go and present the weather, even though you're someone who's usually your entertainment, or go and do some entertainment question vok-vok around the union, even though you're someone who usually would be a writer or a techie, I think it's just making sure that there, there is enough going on that everyone can permanently feel like there's something they can be getting involved in. People will still make those big projects. They will happen. If people are keen on making a big project, they will do it. But if there's more going on in the background, it makes you feel a lot more inclusive. It makes you feel like there's a lot more to be getting on with. And it gives the people a chance to make those mistakes. If you are someone who is new to it, you want an opportunity to go and make... You know, I look back at the first things I made and, and cringe. It was appalling. But I look back at what I made at the end and think, well, I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't gone and... and you know, made meal or no meal with pizza boxes, you know, and stupid little programs like that. But it gives you the opportunity to, to always have something going on. And I think that's why ultimately people do student television. So that should be the thing that is driving your station. I think there's a very dangerous ground you go down if you find you are making only making programs that fit in with the award categories. I've seen it nearly happen at my station. I've seen it happen at other stations. And I think if you go down that road where you are suddenly putting all this pressure about a certain name of a program and what it fits into and would it be good enough, well, I think you, you, you're perhaps creating a much more pressurised, intense environment than needs be. You know, make five music videos, make ten dramas. Some might be two minutes long. Some might be 20 minutes long. It doesn't matter. Just be making as much as you can and... and, and, and drive that creativity forward by making mistakes rather than worrying about everything having to be perfect that would that's my advice anyway um so i know it, i know it, not everyone agrees with with that method but i just think it gives an opportunity for everyone in the station always to be working on perhaps more than one thing i think if you're working on more than one thing you might be the person who's producing this program and, and pouring the heart and soul into it but you also might be the person at the same time as doing that is holding a camera for someone as they film something daft, I think you need that balance. Okay, so let me ask you the, the final question then. And somebody's listened to this, particularly perhaps if they're station manager for the year ahead, they might think, my God, this is a hell of a lot to take in. So just to make sure that we go out on a high, on a glass full situation, in your own opinion, why is it all worth it? Why is it worth going through all of that over the next eight or nine months? Yeah, if you're if you're still listening by this point, uh, I hope you're not you know quaking in, in terror because uh, you shouldn't do. It's it's incredibly enjoyable. I think you've got to, as I just said in my previous sort of answer, you've got to at the back of your head have that idea that why am I doing this? At the end of the day, it's it's for an enjoyment factor. You're someone who obviously enjoys leading people in enjoying things. Uh, that's why you're a station manager. That's ultimately your role is to enjoy it yourself make sure every other person underneath you enjoys it and at the end of that if you can knock some de half decent student television out as well you're on an absolute winner things will go wrong things will blindside you on a tuesday afternoon when you think everything's going well but that's part of the enjoyment as well part of dealing with some of these problems is part of the enjoyment it will make you a, a well-rounded individual who, who, who knows how to manage people which is you know crucial for your own personal development but as a as a whole you know, student television is a very strange beast. You will be met by people who are going to be the next, you know, producers of the BBC or ITV or whatever. And you'll be met with people who did it because they thought it was something fun to do at university and may walk away from student television, do nothing else with television again and have these very fond memories. And I think that mix of people, of backgrounds, of why they're doing it, mixed in with the fact that you are running a society which is mixed of people who will be interested in so many different things is what makes it so enjoyable as i said earlier you're, you're going to have a society which has 
people are interested in writing, documentaries, sports, uh, music, film, drama, news, all these different things are mini societies within a much wider one. Not many other student societies have that. A lot of student societies, you are just running very like-minded people. We will have different personalities, but they're still there for the same one reason. Student television is different. You're managing people who have one overarching umbrella of an idea, but yet they will have very different loves and hates within that. And I think that's what makes it so diverse. And I think ultimately what you've got to keep on remembering is that you're doing something which you're probably having very limited budget for that is actually one of the hardest mediums or is the hardest medium to, to do you know not slating off our friends in the radio and the newspaper world but we're doing we're doing it all we, we've got you've got video you've got written you've got uh, you know people presenting you've got the sound aspects you've got something which is so hard to do right yet the student television continues to do right and you're part of that whole process and that whole process of making programs that actually make people stand up and listen a bit and actually can be shared around and some programs might be shared around your university and thousands of people see them in and around your union some might be shared around your mates because you had a bit of a laugh making this program but either way you're doing something that a lot of other people aren't able to do and aren't able to do to such a high level so just constantly think about that at the back of your mind that you are doing something that is very hard is very skilled with a whole range of people that ultimately can be so fun and at the end of it, you know, you can enter these things in for awards, you can go and show them off at film festivals and things like that. They're all things that you can take on and turn around at the end of your year and go, look, this is what we've achieved. And to finish on, my proudest moment as a station manager, and, you know, of course, winning Best Broadcaster was amazing. But I still think one of the, the, the defining moments for me was not when that Best Broadcaster had it won, it won in Glasgow. It was when, at the end of the year, in a bar surrounded by the people who had been involved all year and with their family and friends who they'd invited for a bit of a celebration evening. We played Best Broadcaster and looked around at everyone's how proud they were of us for that 10-minute edit. And it's not about whether that goes on and wins anything. It's about the fact that you, at the end of it, can look back and think, I have done that. Those 10 minutes are a smear slice of what we've achieved this year. And you will think, every single frame that you'll think, wow, look at what we've achieved. And I think to be in charge of that and to be managing people to achieve that, when you see them turn around and beam at you with a huge grin on the face at the end of that 10 minutes, I think that's one of the, one of the best feelings I've certainly had in terms of anything I've, I've been involved in as a volunteer. And I think it's that is that is the sort of defining moment you want to look for, being able to turn around at the end of the year and go, yeah, this is what we've achieved. Many thanks to Chica for joining us this week. Please let us know what you thought of this discussion either by tweeting us at NASTA alumni or by discussing it on the NASTA Managers Forum on Facebook. Next week, with Freshers TV rapidly approaching, we'll begin a two-part podcast with former NASA Tech Officer Stuart Wood on live programming. Meanwhile, thanks for listening to The Pastorcast.